0: Welcome to What If, I'm your host, Kareem Moustakni, and today we have a very special guest with us, Purva Agarwal is the first female solopreneur in India and served globally to enter the children's online banking and wallet space with her startup, Good Good Piggy. As India's first disruptive ad fintech startup for pre-tellangers, Good Good Piggy positions as a digital piggy bank and behavioral rewards platform. Purva is also the ambassador of the India chapter of Women in Tech, an international nonprofit dedicated to promoting greater diversity in tech. Purva, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Karim. It's a pleasure to be uh, on the show.
0: And thanks for taking your time. And I also know that you've been also a fan of the show. So it's great to interview a fan of the show. How is everything going at the moment? Where are you?
1: I am in India, in New Delhi. This is uh, my home ground. And this is also where we are building Good Good Big Emo. I mean, I just came back from London for the fact that it would be a great place to innovate. And I mean, of course, you know, leverage the fact that you're from the country. It's a thriving ecosystem that's coming up in terms of uh, startups. And India, I mean, there's some parts of India which are starting to, you know, build on that bit. A lot of push from the government as well in terms of the startup ecosystem. And I am, I mean, I'm back here just uh, building and leveraging that.
0: Wow. Maybe you can say a few words about where you grew up and what made you become an entrepreneur.
1: You know, to give a glimpse of my past, I was born in a very close-knit family in New Delhi. And my early, early career was into management consulting in risk advisory services. I was working with top accounting firms like a BDO, Rotten, and eventually I went to do my uh, master's in investment banking in UK where I started working in private equity investment advisory with a firm in London, and also started writing in the space uh, with a publication which was targeted towards institutional investors Uh, A lot of my journey into entrepreneurship started where I, Kareem, for all those who are listening, he uh, and I, we met in Impact Gen Talent Program, which is hosted by Sigma Squared Society. It's a program for top young leaders globally and entrepreneurs globally to to work towards impact building and innovation. And that's where I came across this podcast. And yes, a, a great fan of it. Because it goes into these new possibilities, pushes your thought pattern. And I really enjoy listening to it. And, and, and a lot of my journey about being an entrepreneur began, began with that society. So yeah, Good Good Piggy is a product of that. It's, it's actually a product of uh, me building a mindset during that program and uh, accepting the fact that yes, I should enter entrepreneurship and I hopefully, you know, well-trained and well-equipped with, with all the support that Sigma Squared offered.
0: That's fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. How has it been for you? Do you have also like entrepreneurs within your family? So is it been part of your like your family DNA? Or did you it only through other people over time?
1: No, absolutely. Uh, My family DNA is very much business background. However, I think my father was somebody I mean, we were all into finance, my grandfather, me, my dad, all of us, my father was an, a businessman entrepreneur, but then he pivoted into core finance. And at the moment, he he's heading a group of five companies, which are into semi-government work. And yeah, I mean, uh, definitely a lot of his mentorship as well to make sure you are probably by you know doing that early career and taking those experiences, you're ready to take that, you know, I would say a really rigorous and uncharted dynamic path that entrepreneurship has, right?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So maybe you can explain also, like, why did you found Good Good Piggy and how does it work?
1: Well, uh, Good Good Piggy is, is disrupting the Indian market because it's the first ed fintech interplay in India. It's unique because, you know, we've taken uh, a very underrated problem and tried to disrupt it in a level that it actually uh, makes sense and is a need in terms of financial innovation when we talk about the future generation so i came across this idea when i came back from london and i got my nephew a piggy bank just because you know he was learning numbers and you know it was time for him probably four or five years when you know you start counting i thought a piggy bank would be a great gift and we were in a room all my cousins me and he went around with the piggy bank asking people to put coins in it and what we realized is out of 17 people uh, majority of them were millennials, none of us had coins. We all had e-wallets, credit cards, uh, uh, Apple Pay, uh, Google Pay, and nobody had coins in it. And eventually, you know, I spent more time with him to realize that's actually a problem. It's actually a problem in the sense that because there is no interaction or very less interaction with physical money, there's a lot of behavior change. And uh, in fact, a lot of change in how he experiences his childhood and a lot of learning about his environment that comes from just this concept missing. So a lot of his financial literacy or financial awareness is missing because there's a piggy bank which is missing. And that's missing because there are coins which are missing in our environment. And that's the idea where we thought that, you know we have to innovate for the new generation. And the best way to involve them and include them financially is to take this piggy bank, make it relevant. Because uh, for me, that's flopped as a gift definitely. And uh, to bring it back to life, we had to take it digital, so that now uh, kids can start learning about money and financial values and money management in a way that they will actually use it, which is digitally.
0: Yeah, right. But I mean, your gift had good intention. So
1: <laughs> we want to give you
0: that, Pova. But it's very interesting, because I, I find it very fascinating that the concept that children are growing up without seeing money, right? I, I think for most people, this is something They haven't seen maybe if they're a little bit older. So maybe the what if scenario in this case is like, what if money becomes invisible? What are the effects of it?
1: Yeah, I think it's a really interesting what if scenario, which I was exploring a few months ago because I noticed it was missing. It was missing uh, to a level where, if you remember, Karen, when you and I were young, we would go out to the grocery store. Our mom would give us a bill and ask us, to go and get some groceries, probably you would get some, you know, change in return and you wouldn't give her back. And you would argue, you want to put it up into your piggy bank. And that was your moment of feeling rich. And, you know, you had your fantasies about what you want to buy with it and what you want to do. I've been interviewing a lot of kids lately because of good, good piggy. And, you know, I asked them, so are you rich because you have a piggy bank? And they all think that they do. And then some of the times they say, maybe not that enough. And then they come back and say, "Yeah, when we are rich, we want to buy a huge toy, or when we are rich, we want to probably go and get a our own house." And you know, that's 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 your introduction into what savings means and how wealth generation happens. But now with kids, unfortunately, because they're not seeing this. In fact, with my own nephew that I saw, he 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 probably would want to make an online payment and ask for uh, us to pay off a huge online uh, cart which probably would run into four or five digits with his toys now being absolutely expensive as well but and when you ask him to do that same thing with cash in his hand, he's he's always thinking about the fact, do I need to spend this? Why am I putting out so much money? In fact, I gave him some money to donate in a temple and he came back to me. Why does God need so much money? Just because it was in his hand, very tangible. But now that it's missing and there's nowhere that he's interacting with it, online shopping has become something that you know uh, he doesn't even notice. He thinks that Amazon doesn't even charge money. Uh, it just comes on your doorstep. It gives you the stuff and it goes away. All it needs is a permission pin which Mm -hmm. in reality is a CVV, but all that needs is a permission pin from parents and that's it. That's how things function. So the what if is very true, Karen. It's it's absolutely true because uh, if you notice, many, many countries are actually cashless be it Sweden, UK, USA, France, uh, China, even Japan, Russia, all of these countries are uh, leading cashless countries. And that's definitely trickling down in terms of effect in uh, Asia. I mean, all of that, you know, west to east kind of uh, uh, thing is coming up. And it's actually the rise of uh, new economies of intangibles right? Where, Mm -hmm. you know, financial innovations like e-mining, digital currencies. I mean, I don't even want to go into cryptocurrency discussion of whether that would, you know, what that would be. But the reality is even central banks are coming up and making their own digital currencies to fight that trend. In India, RBI is going to be testing their first digital currency program this winter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I researched on it, I came to know OECD predicted that the landscape landscape of money will become digital in the near future in 2002 so this is perhaps something that was long ago predicted by oecd right but unfortunately never noticed by us in regular day life
0: i see but do you think in general is it a good thing that the world is becoming cashless or do you think there are also negative aspects like the one that you mentioned for kids education about financial
1: you know, why things are becoming cashless and why not is a very interesting question. Why do we like to prefer an online uh, payment? Spoil for convenience, right? Mm. If you talk about millennials and the new generation, we are easily adopting the cashless way because it's high theft protection. We have complete transactional records. And there are a lot of benefits and bonuses and discounts that we get when we do purchases online. And The other side of the coin is that uh, it's worrying that it's leading to behavior change in the long run, where silent changes like money habits are are getting overexploited in terms of overspending, Mm -hmm. high debt levels in economy because credit levels, I mean, credit is easily available. There are concepts of data vulnerability and privacy issues, etc. that come up the moment you start to live a, a digital or cashless life. So I think it's, it's a difficult choice to make in terms of, you know, what works. But if you talk about a generation to a generation concept, then, you know, the new generation, millennials, and of course, their, their younger ones or their children are generation alpha and beta. Both or, you know, three of these generations, they, they are the largest tech supplied generation in mankind, in human history right i was reading statistics where gen alpha and gen beta are the most tech supplied generation in, in history of mankind look at how toys perhaps in your childhood and mind would be a, a folding scooter or you know a rubik's cube but now the toys that these kids are playing up uh, with are ar and vr toys and you know gesture control so uh, the shopping, education, I mean, everything is online. Even I think friendship has become online, right? Sure. And in the concept of fintech, I have to say it's it's financial innovation, which is leading, leading it. And like e-wallets or uh, newer exchanges, which are coming in where, you know, we are rewriting the way people live lives globally. It's because uh, it, businesses are reinventing large direct costs, which are involved with handling clearing and policing physical cash hmm. that's why transaction costs are becoming less because we probably don't need to do that so definitely the case of uh, physical cash being marginalized off a gateway into you know flourishing and seamless online world of tomorrow and we have to accept that and this is where good good piggy accepts this reality and says that we need to gear up or need to start you know solidifying the base for gen alpha and gen beta so that, you know, they can, they, can, they can understand and be ready to deal with invisible, instant money values and become inclusive in financial uh, literacy and education.
0: There's so many things that I could dig deeper now because it's so interesting what you're saying. Do you think, though, that overspending, for example, one of the things that you mentioned, is it a pure behavioral thing that just needs a behavior change so people don't overspend? Is it education or what is, is overspending only happening when you don't see the cash or does overspending usually also happens when you have the cash in your hand?
1: So there are very different ways. In fact, people react when they work with cash. And when, I mean, these are established studies and published studies by institutions, which talk about how your spending behavior change when you're doing it online versus how you do it with cash uh, in fact it's worth experimenting if you're listening spend a day without cash and spend a day outside with cash you would realize you know it's absolutely different behavior and a lot of why there is overspending with people is because of the fact that you don't see money and also the fact where you know uh, stuff you know companies like amazon etc offer you a lot of convenience and instant gratification. And that's completely opposite to the base of good money management skills. And I would probably underscore the fact that, you know, money management is a life skill. It's something that everybody has to uh, master, because it Mm. definitely holds potential to impact your, your life trajectory, your family's trajectory, your generation to come, everybody is kind of strongly associated with how you how you perform and apply this life skill so you know in in my context overspending is because of easier credit I mean look at this entire buzz about buy now pay later model right it's it's on the fact that you can easily spend and then pay up later so definitely easy credit high debt levels that you know economy is allowing also with the fact that it's instant gratification look at how logistics have become so fluent in the world if you order something right now you probably get it in less than 24 hours on your doorstep True. so you know we we we, we are silently changing and overspending, etc., is something that consumption rates and in economies—they're increasing because, look, from a macro point of view, they need to make the economy run. And the faster your economies and money is exchanging hand, the better it is for countries and governments. Right. But, I mean, for
0: the individual, this it is might stuff.
1: Be. Yeah, this is stuff we have to we have to silently yeah. ignore sometimes. Right. Or we never have paused enough to think about it.
0: This is super interesting. I also saw it like a few months ago, actually, on Amazon, at least here in Germany, where you have the option to pay on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. So it's it's exactly the concept, right? You, you order whatever you want, and you pay by the end of the month. And that way, you're not thinking so much about how much you're spending, and things are going much, much faster, right?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, you know, in India, the, there are a whole lot of companies which are mushrooming, on and insisting on giving cards to teenagers because mm. they know that teenagers are influencing family decisions on where you spend because these are the people who make digital transactions for non tech parents and non tech grandparents and you know uh, they are more aware in terms of what schemes are on so generally they call out the shots in terms of spending in families and if there are fintech innovations which are handing out cards etc to them saying look you spend, and then parents pay it later so you know buy now pay later is uh, is a huge I think it's a new wave altogether which is in newspapers at least globally I'm reading even online where they're talking about a lot of funds willing to fund buy now pay later.
0: Wow yeah and especially if you're not I think if I look at my own education and the school system I don't think there was so much focus on generating good behaviors which might have helped me on finances or actually a lot of other stuff and I think behavioral design this is probably something you're doing with good good piggy right is something that the educational system I find is failing at do you think that behavioral design is one of the answers on kids education on finance in a cashless society or future
1: Absolutely. So, uh, there's a book I was reading called Mind Change. Uh, This book is talking about how, and it's actually a book which I really, really felt, uh, you know, I really resonated with because, you know, what they were speaking about how um, the, you know, generations or people uh, on this planet can be divided into two types. One are digital immigrants and the other are digital natives. Now, who are these two? Digital immigrants are like you and I, who didn't have technology when we were young. And then we grew closer to technology as we grew up and as how technology increased and digital you know, options, et cetera, increased. So like immigrants, we are not very integrated with technology we are you know we, we we can decide how much we want to be involved in it so you know if you notice any immigrant in a new country they would accept some cultures they would accept a little bit of accent but you know they would still have their original you know roots intact and you could you could probably make that difference that these guys are immigrants in a country yeah. on a similar level you know this generation or at least my generation or your parents generation are digital immigrants, where they still hold on to real off life and they decide how much they want to be involved in technology. So we all have our own accent when it comes to interacting with digital technologies. We're comfortable here, but not comfortable there. But the new generation, if I talk about Generation Alpha, Generation Beta, these are generations who are digital natives. They were just born into a world where technology exists, Like they have no idea how to climb stairs because they're always escalators, right? They, they don't know a world where, you know, what would happen if telephone does not exist. So they're just, they're just natives into this. And you would probably see how fluent kids are at a very young age. In fact, I was reading, you know, 86% of kids have interacted with interactive screen before the age of six. And that's Mm -hmm. found to go up. In fact, that statistic is now coming true with under one years of age. So that has to do with the kind of number of gadgets. So, I mean, I always ask people, so would you remember your teenage room? How many gadgets did you have in that mm-hmm. room? And just compare that to how many gadgets you have in this room. So our density of technology <laughs> per area right. has increased, has definitely increased and it's bound to increase even more. So, you know, this, this, this is where I can definitely say that things are very different and because they're very different in terms of how we are, These digital natives and the the book I was reading, it talks about how in the 90s, people and researchers who are behavioral scientists, I mean, who are environment scientists, were talking about, look, global warming is happening, climate change is happening, please respond to it. And nobody gave a damn about it. Hmm. Right now, behavioral scientists and neuroscientists are shouting their lungs out, talking about how mind is changing. Hmm. Because when you're digesting a lot of digital technology, there are very different behavioral and you know neural reactions in your brain so there is actually a phenomenon such as mind change as it was a climate change years ago but Mm -hmm. unfortunately like we were ignorant about climate change and we are facing the consequences we are extremely ignorant about behavior change and Mm -hmm. mind change because we don't see it we'll probably see it when we'll have you know a generation which will be handling economies handling countries handling complex systems with very different behaviors than we, we, we were growing up with.
0: Very fascinating. O- on the mind shift or mind change, on a personal level f- uh, for you, Pilvan, do you feel like this is something you're trying to change or is it what you're doing with your community? You're just accepting this new reality and adapt to it and see what you can do.
1: It's a very interesting question. I mean, because to a level of good, good piggy, Uh, I make aware of this change to parents to say that parenting is not same anymore right Mm -hmm. and look at parents themselves they are mostly millennials today are heavy social media users and they're all living paycheck to paycheck right Right. Uh, unfortunately our capacity to create wealth has gone down versus let's say our dads, our grandfathers or our great grandfathers, you know, they would probably make a lot of wealth and they left it for generations. It's very difficult for the current generation to do that. And my first point is to, to make people realize that this change is there and that we have to accept that with the n- digital na- natives, right, gen mm-hmm. alpha, gen beta. And then make sure that they are, they are well-equipped to handle that change. So if we ignore this aspect, we're actually ignoring. The University of Cambridge says this, Kareem, that by the age of seven, your mind makes up or your brain develops your money personality. And if Mm -hmm. I ignore talking about money and digital money and how to handle the money equation before the age of seven, we've actually missed the chance to even influence it. So, So idea is to solidify the foundation of money management and earlier piggy banks would only do it by saving but now hopefully when we are doing it digitally we can talk about co-investment, co investment uh, co pre approved spending talk about you know uh, learning why you should you know how difficult it is to earn because kids at the moment with covid there's a lot of you know guilty parenting concept that's going on where you know that they're not going to school and they're bored they're not meeting friends and whatever they ask they just keep getting right so right. so i mean this is where they have to earn money through in the piggy bank and learn to allocate it to a saving goal, know that it's tough to earn it and probably then spend, which is pre-approved by the parent, you know, have that shadow digital banking experience and, and learn that, you know, you can co-invest, you have to part away with wealth right now to secure your future. Unfortunately, even as a millennial, it's difficult for me to part away with my wealth right now to -hmm. secure my future tomorrow, right? Because there's so much push into instant buying, so much you know click yeah. sensitivity around me and you know, instant gratification that this concept is very important to be placed at yeah. an early stage.
0: This is absolutely true. I, I think the, the part that scares me is like that some of the smartest people and neuroscientists, right? And psychologists are working with these companies to change behaviors in order to do push buyings and do things much faster, right? Absolutely. And this is more like a moral question we could go into, but this would probably make this podcast take a little bit longer, but to come back to, to, to your company, but how do you, as a kid, then using your product or the company, um, are making money? Like, how does it work that part? Maybe you can explain that again with the behaviors and stuff.
1: So sure. Yeah. Uh, it's Ed FinTech, like I explained in the start. So there's a very, very interesting bifurcation that we do in the product where we know that it's the child's first fintech experience. It's, it's done in a very visually exciting way. It looks like a game. It's, you know, it's a, it's a screen that they will enjoy. And they know that, you know, it's their first. I mean, they love it because we all love topic events. We were very possessive about it. And I know that those will be the general feelings that will be behind the kids when they are going on to their first digital big event. Mm. On the other hand, for, so for the child, it's absolutely a fintech. But on, on, on the back end for the parent, it's actually an ed And if you think of it, it's uh, something that we all experience in our childhood. When we would go back to our mom or our dad and tell, look, I want to buy um, a new bicycle. And they would say, yeah, you sure you can buy it, but why don't you just work on uh, the math you screwed up? So you do that little, you know, get a better grade and you get a better, you can upgrade your bicycle. Mm-hmm. I mean, this kind of a negotiation uh, tactic in parenting is a go it's been used forever in every country in every place it's part of parenting to mm-hmm. be able to put up a reward make sure your child is able to perform his, his you know push him to another boundary and yeah you uh, anyway as a parent you have to get him that roller skates you have to get him the bicycle but if in that journey your child can improve uh, it's a win-win for the parent. and the parents have been doing it like my mom used to do it because I would never drink milk And Mm. she would tell me, yeah, you know what, if you drink milk twice a day, for sure, you can go and get what you want in terms of the refreshments or in terms of whatever you wanted to buy after playing in the evening. So we're just taking a very, very old offline behavior online. Mm. So for the parents, it's an ed tech. It's a way to influence what the child is learning, what he's doing. And, you know, in the larger sense, make sure that you're a good, good child. And for the child, it's a way of his first FinTech. And, and that's how it has been always with piggy banks. So we're just doing nothing new. We're just taking that old piggy bank, making it mm. online, behaviorally, it does the same stuff.
0: Yeah, that, that, that's uh, fascinating. Do you still think as a, if I would be a critical, ask a critical question, do you think the parents always know what the chi- what's good for the child? Or do you think that Good Good Piggy is also trying to enhance the curiosity of the child? in some way
1: right Uh, you know in terms of parenting and that's something uh, that i deeply thought about before we started designing Good Good piggy the thing about parenting is unfortunately it can never be standardized Mm. and it's very unique it's very unique because uh, you know i i cannot say that you know one size fits all in terms of parenting it definitely depends on where you're coming from what your culture is what your economic status is, what your access to education is, what your generation history has been, what your nutrition is up to. Mm. So there's a lot about how family and parenting is. So definitely when I thought about it, we we had to create a tool. So Good Good Piggy is a tool for parents to be able to raise good, good kids. And none of it is uh, standardized. It's absolutely customizable. So you can put into what activities you want your child to do, how much reward you want want to put against it so you know how much you want to negotiate what you want to approve what he buys what Mm. he can save for everything is decided by the parents i mean to be honest with you on the child side there is absolutely no control it's absolutely trans i mean all the control parent first all the transparency lies with the parent unfortunately or fortunately mm. the children are under an illusion that they're doing fintech themselves or they're managing right. money themselves and that's true when we were young we would always feel we are making that purchase but it would always be parents money and it would be always them saying yes you can make it so you made it mm. <laughs> right and that's what happens on good good piggy as well you feel that you're doing all these things right but the entire control is lying with the parent
0: That's amazing. I mean, you're kind of trying to solve so many different problems with one tool, right? Because it goes into education, it goes into parenting, it goes into financial education, just as an idea, maybe for the future, I mean, that could be brainstormed. It would be also interest, maybe you've heard that the term reverse mentoring, where like, like managers in corporations who are like, let's say 40 or 50 plus, getting trained by the younger employees on digital things they are not familiar with, right? So I wonder like, if there is a way that you can even make the children to educators, to parents, so they can learn mm-hmm. something. I mean, it's not the core goal, right? But maybe at some yep. point, it could be interesting that the child could have like an, a learning session for the parents about what he has or, or she has learned about finances or whatever else is his or her interest
1: Mm, absolutely i think that would be really fun to do and the most interesting part with today's generation is that they are so curious Mm. Uh, and they're so curious digitally and a lot because of the older generation of parents to say they're digital immigrants so they have very controlled curiosity needs although that's changing And companies are hiring the best talent in the world to change it. But we still try to, you know, still look into what our screen time is and still look into what we content we're looking into. But definitely, I think that would be very interesting because honestly, spending time with kids, you learn so much. You learn just a lot. And it's quite possible that reverse mentoring could actually be a thing even at corporations level. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I mean, we definitely have to brainstorm on how that works for the pre-teenagers market because- That's what our TG is.
0: Absolutely. And now looking into the future, what is like your vision in general with with Good Good Piggy, but also with your own life?
1: Well, with Good Good Piggy, we definitely, because we are at the first stage and prototyping stage, we definitely want to be seeing interest for investment banks and, you know, The idea is that uh, this is a very, very powerful topic and it should be of huge interest to policymakers Mm -hmm. and stakeholders in the economy, right? The government, the banks, insurance sector, et cetera, because at the moment, I definitely see a bigger gap where as a parent or as a family, I definitely don't know what my child costs in my overall household budget. So I definitely see Good Good Piggy being that one place where you can, you know, log or you can visibly see your child is up to or, you know, how much money you actually need to, first of all, raise that child on a day to day level, hmm. uh, based on if you're in, in, in a tier one city or a tier two city or a tier three city. And then be able to actually reverse plan it for a parent and make sure that they're saving up for long-term, you know, life for the, for the child. So definitely for us, it's important that we get closer to financial institutions. So we are able to offer parents, especially who are millennials and paycheck to paycheck, hand to mouth kind of a population at the moment in the world mm. to be able to break down financial security for the child and make sure that while Children are doing that with their piggy bank. They can still do that on their side in terms of co-investment. So we know that most parents between one to four put up a savings account for a child in his mm-hmm. name or open a child account, and between four to nine statistically uh, start planning long-term security for the child. But this conversation is always between the couple, never open to the never open to the child. So hopefully, with good good piggy, we want to bring that conversation to the child as well, where He can, you know, even if it's like a really small fraction in the big payment that goes towards his financial security or his college fund, he can still contribute to it. And that comes back as cash back to the parent. But what happens is behaviorally, he's getting tuned to part away with money today to take benefit of it. And, and we know that, you know, this stuff will be helping countries put up a baseline or setting benchmark when it comes to financial education initiatives very much early on. And, you know, for the banks, et cetera, to to get a customer who will be loyal, who, and, you know, definitely be able to speak the language of the new customer, Gen Alpha, Gen Beta, you know, something that works for them. Yep. And and be able to offer sustainable finance and sustainable, sustainable future to the generation so you know we want to be doing that and you know in terms of the fact that good good piggy is promoting digital financial literacy it enables eight out of 17 un sustainable development goals so for me it's, it's some, something which is highly impact driven from all the topics we went through there is a bigger problem to what uh, good good piggy can solve when it comes to its vision and its possibility and scale
0: fascinating and as a last question can you imagine a future where there isn't even no invisible money, but just money as a concept disappears?
1: Well there's a movie. I don't know if the, I'm just keeping the name because you just asked this. There's a movie where they show if the currency of the world is time. Oh, yeah, Justin uh... I think
0: Justin time was with Justin Timberlake, right?
1: Yes, yes, yes. I think it was him. Yeah. What is the movie called again? I think um,
0: Just In Time even. Tell me that. little In Time.
1: So I think that's really cool because to be honest, we all get into this entire money, but you know, uh, it just depends on how much time it takes you to, to create money. For somebody who is a daily wage worker, it takes him a lot of time to print money. For somebody who's smart to invest and to Do uh, good financial planning. It's easier. And, you know, time, I mean, you know, even when it comes to compounding, right? The the equation for compounding always ends with race to party. So it's not the principle. It's not the frequency. It's always the time that impacts the equation. So for me, if money goes away, completely evaporates out of the world, then the new currency would possibly be time. Mm. Only if it could be transferred. That's the only problem with time. It cannot be transferred. It's limited.
0: Exactly. So So for uh, that
1: to happen, it actually needs that we can transfer time to each other. Who knows, right? Who knows? knows? Yeah, I don't know.
0: (laughs) Until like longevity is is kind of like uh, getting normal, like you live forever, and then
1: (laughs) then yeah, I think that's a question for health tech companies to decide how they can make sure we can transfer time for each other.
0: (laughs) That's a good one. So, Purva, thank you so much. Is there uh, one last sentence you would like to shout out to the audience?
1: Well, uh, if you like what we're doing, definitely as a young company, support us by, uh, you know, going there and filling that early access form, which is on the website, but uh, it will definitely help us reach our goals faster and accelerate this innovation. But on the other hand, just notice these changes and see if we can probably make a difference in any youngster or new generation and how they are building up their brain, their behavior, their you know, neural sense. I think it's really important to to try and influence that on a one-on-one level if, if we're just aware of this.
0: Perfect. And would you give like one last advice about money to, to the ones listening? What would be the advice you would give about money as a concept?
1: Money as a concept.
0: Yeah. And things
1: uh, you've learned think, about. It definitely. Money as a concept, I think it's uh, like we just mentioned, it's always race to party. Unfortunately, we keep forgetting that. And, you know, it's always race to part-time if, if, it's, if it's compounding. So it can work against you, it can work for you all you need to do is uh, make sure time is in your favor. And the good, good piggy, we make sure time is in the generation's favor because we start pre-teenage. So, you know, for, for anybody who's listening, the most important concept is start early and let time be in your favor to create wealth.
0: Fantastic. A very inspiring last sentence. poova thank you so much. I wish you a wonderful evening. And uh, yeah, thank you for being with us.
1: Thank you for hosting this and thank you for being the voice to all of, uh, you know, this innovation and making sure we are able to reach more people. Thanks a lot, Karim, for, you know, getting me on this podcast.
0: Absolutely. Bye-bye, Poova.
1: Bye-bye. Thanks, Dan.